Uh, are you ready to have some fun? And are you ready to dive into God's word this morning? How many of you believe that God has a word for you today? Amen? Amen? Yeah? I do. I know he does. And before we dive into the message, how many of you got your 3D glasses on the way in? Now, here's the deal. We're going to use these in just a minute. So I have ushers walking around. If you did not grab a set of 3D glasses, you don't have to put them on right now, but we're going to grab them in just a few minutes. Could you just wave your hand at an usher so that you're going to want one of these little fun little gadgets? Not that there's going to be 3D on the screen, but you'll just have to see what happens. Okay? All right. Wave your hand. Keep it up high, and the ushers are going to come by you. All right, well, I know we've done a lot of praying already this morning, but would you just join with me? I know, guys, I feel in my heart and I feel in my spirit, I know God has something for us today. And he wants to do something significant in our lives. And we're diving in deep into this series called Back to the Future. And uh, we're talking about, man, God has future on his mind. He has us on his mind, but he's always advancing. The kingdom of God is always moving forward. Amen. It's never standing still. God has people on his mind. Amen. Amen. So we're going to dive into this, and I know that we have a word for you. I have a word for you this morning, so let's just pray. Father, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for this amazing congregation. Lord, I thank you that you have a word for us this morning. And Lord, I thank you that today's not just another day where we come and sit and hear your word, but Lord, we thank you that the word of God is living. It is active. It is powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. And so when the word of God goes forth, Lord, we can expect change. We can expect it to grow us. We can expect it to come and to, to plant seeds and resonate inside of us. God, we can expect to walk out of this place different. We don't have to go home the same way we came in. But God, we can go out stronger. God, we can go out victorious. We can go out free. We can go out different. God, the way, everything that you paid for, God, we can receive that. And so, Lord, we set our expectations high. Lord, we don't want to come through just another time in church where we just go home. Lord, we set our expectation high to receive your word this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, we're diving into the sermon series, Back to the Future. This week is part two. And as you can probably pick up from the video that you just saw, did you see Biff on the video? Bullies? Yeah? We're talking about bullies today. How many of you hate bullies? I probably should hopefully see every single hand go up at that moment, right? Nobody, if you like a bully, then we have other problems and other conversations that we need to have. But most of us in this room can, we agree, can agree that we hate bullies. Amen. Why do we hate bullies? Because bullies are mean. Bullies intimidate. Bullies speak fear. And the result of somebody being bullied is not usually a positive result. Amen. When somebody's bullied, when you see a little kid at the playground, you can kind of pick out children that have been bullied. Have you, maybe you were somebody who was bullied. I was. I've, I've had, I think we've all had our fair share at times. But you can typically see the effects of that. The child sometimes, um, it could be that they shrink away. They begin to feel not included, right? They kind of, you know, start thinking that they're less than, that they're not loved. What's wrong with me? All of these things happen with bullies, um, when, with the effect of bullying. And we talk about that, our schools. That's a, a big movement right now, talking about bullying and making sure that that's not happening. But today I'm not going to talk about that kind of bullying. I'm going to talk about um, the bully of fear, the bully of intimidation, and honestly the bully of religious spirits. Because, you know, the devil is a big, fat bully. He likes to intimidate. He likes to speak fear. And he likes to keep us in a place of deception because he doesn't want us to get back to the future that God created for us. 
He knows that God has destiny on your life. He knows that you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and he knows that you have a gift and call on your life and there's things that you're supposed to accomplish. He knows that you didn't just get saved just to go to heaven. He knows that you, got, that you have anointing on your life, that you have callings, everything that we've been talking about in the past couple of weeks. He knows that. And he wants to make you forget that, who you are. He wants to make you shrink back. He wants to make you question the gifts and callings, the purpose that you were placed on this earth. He wants to push back. He wants to get you to question because what happens when that happens? We begin to pull back, right? We begin to question who God's created us to be. We begin to question why God placed us on this earth. We begin to question, did God really say? We begin to question all of those things. And then we end up not fulfilling the call of God in our life and not doing what he's called us to do. And if there's anything, and as, as we get to know each other, if you know me well, you know that there's a couple things that I really don't like. I really don't like fear. And I really don't like the spirit of intimidation. And I really don't like religious spirits at all. And there's this little side of me that I like to claim. Sorry, I know my parents are watching. I claim the Cuban side a lot more than I claim the German side. If you're German, I'm so sorry. I just really get excited about the Cuban side um, of, of my heritage. And those Hispanics and Latinos, listen, I love that feistiness. That, that, yes, see? Yes. Thank you so much. And I, 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 I kind of lean into that a little bit. There's a little bit of feisty on the inside of me. You can ask my kids, mama's feisty. And so I, I, I so that just kind of, when, when something's not right, when I see the enemy just bullying the body of Christ, when I see that, when I see that happen, there's this thing that just stands up in the inside of me that I just can't handle it because it's not right. So we're going to dive into the word of God today, and I'm going to believe God that by the time we leave here this morning, and I told the tech team before we came out, I laughed because I sent him my notes, and I said, guys, normally I like to follow my notes, but I'll just give you warning. I don't quite know exactly how this is going to come out this morning because I feel it so big right here. So I don't know. I know it's coming out. I just don't know how it's all going to come out because I'm believing God for some big things. Amen. And it's time, sometimes we don't even realize that we've been bullied. You know, that problem with deception is that it's so deceiving and sometimes we don't even realize that we've been walking in that place. And so when God begins to bring truth and when he begins to open our eyes and we begin to see clearly, man, watch out. Watch out. When, when believers get a taste of that freedom, when they see what God has provided for them, when they get a hold of the, the fact that they can walk in the gifts and callings, when they can walk in the anointing, when they can use the name of Jesus, when they can pray for the sick and see him recover, when they can witness, when they can walk in love and they don't have to give in to drama and they don't have to give in to bitterness, when they don't have to do that stuff, when they don't have to give in to sin, when sin doesn't have to rule their life anymore, when they realize the freedom that is on their life, watch out. Watch out. Watch out, because big things are about to happen. So we, as we dive into the Word of God this morning, we're going to kind of go on a little bit of a journey um, today and, uh, and kind of walk through some of these things. But I want to share just a couple of scriptures with you. And before I do that, and while I do that, keep it in mind with this one question. Um, and I shared a little bit of this with the staff a couple of weeks ago in our staff chapel, and I started our staff devotions, our chapel time with this question. Do you remember who you are? Do you remember who you are? See, because 
just like that child on a playground who's been bullied, they start to forget, you know, that child was raised in their parents' home. And if it was a good home, a, you know, one that no, no home is perfect, but if it was a good home, hopefully that child received love and affirmation and they were confident. And so they go to school showing up on that first day excited because why wouldn't somebody like me? I mean, that was never even a question in that child's mindset, right? Why wouldn't I be included? Why wouldn't somebody want to play with me? This child's been in a healthy home, right? But then as uh, time goes on and maybe the first child, uh, the first you know, other kid that they come in contact with decides that they don't want to play with them or says something hurtful, then slowly over time, there's mindsets and beliefs that begin to be developed and, and um, uh, held on to like this, you know, the word I'm talking to, they, they just want to grasp that. <laughs> it becomes their own as they go, as they grow up. And it's not that it started out that way. It's just that as time went on, they begin to, to hang on to that. It began to be a part of their personal mindset and outlook in life. They begin to develop that and adhere to that. And so it's important that we understand that sometimes that when, you know, it's not that it's not that we don't even know who we are. It's just that maybe sometimes as we live life and we go through life, things have happened to us that maybe we forget to see it clearly or we can't see it clearly, as clearly as we used to. Does that make sense? Yeah? I just wanted to read a couple of scriptures to you as we kind of dive into this. If you'd open your Bibles, we're going to start, we're going to start in Romans chapter 8 and we're going to look at verse 31. Do you have your Bibles? Do you have your notebooks? Awesome. Okay, here we go. And we're going to read a couple of scriptures, so bear with me. And I like to read out the New Living Translation. It says this, Romans 8.31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. He is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Verse 37. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that, neither, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that. Such powerful scriptures talking about how much God loves us. This is the truth of the word of God. And sometimes, though, how many of us walk around in life feeling unloved. The word of God says that we're loved, but yet we walk around feeling as though we're unloved. Look over at verse one in chapter eight. It says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus, to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Well, I love that. That scripture there tells me that there's no condemnation for me, right? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I have freedom over the power of sin in my life. So how come some of us live as though we are condemned? We walk around, we might know the truth, but then yet sometimes we live in such a manner, we live below that. We live in a place of condemnation rather than freedom. 
And then one more. And I love this. This is just one chapter in the Bible talking about how much God loves us, mindsets, the truth. And it's all, the word of God has the truth all throughout it. And then look at verses 15 and 17. Verse 5, chapter 8, verse 15 says this. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Amen. Verse 17 uh, well, verse 17, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. We're his children, and we don't have a spirit of fear or slavery. Amen. These are all things that scripture is full of the truth of who we are. Amen. I love that. I love that the, that the word of God tells us, tells us who we are. But so many times we find ourselves living less than, less than that. So I have a couple of illustrations up here behind me that I want to walk us through that kind of help, help maybe kind of open our eyes to a couple things. And asking the question, do you remember who you are? Like that little child growing up in his mom and dad's home, right? It starts out, you're loved, you're affirmed, all those things. So what happened? What happened along the, along the way for me to be living in a different place? How, do, how does that happen? Or even is that even true in my own life? We'll have this illustration over here, this beautiful windshield. Can we just give the tech team just amazing? I said, can I get a windshield on stage? And they made it happen. This is a legitimate car. I mean, it's pretty impressive. All right, so for the sake of illustration, I love this illustration. So here is a beautiful windshield. You know, when you're driving a car, I'm going to stand back here. You're driving a car. You can see, hopefully clearly, right, through the windshield. That would, that would be the goal that you can see where you're going, right? Because if the windshield is dirty, what's going to happen? You can, you can talk back. Yeah. You can't see. And it's going to be a, a rougher journey, right? So the goal would be that you have a nice, clear windshield. This is our perspective. But you know, as life gets going, as things happen, as we, I should really have my gloves on. Okay. This could get messy. Um, oh gosh, this smells like coffee. <laughs> Actually, I think it is. Okay. Um, you're not supposed to know that. You're, you're supposed to think this is mud. Okay. So as life gets going and, and things happen, you know, we start out life, we have this beautiful, clean windshield, and then something happens. Somebody says something to us or somebody offends us in church maybe or bitterness, and it's just kind of like, okay, you know, here. Okay, so something gets spattered on our windshield, right? Well, at first you think, okay, well, I can still drive and not be affected by the stuff that got thrown on my windshield, right? Because you can still see. I can still see back here. I mean, it's a little bit, a little bit there, but you know, most of the rest of my perspective is clear. I can still see pretty good. I can keep going on my journey. But if I don't clean that off, you know, I just kind of decide to leave it there because yes, I was offended. Somebody said something to me or something happened at church or somebody didn't want me and I uh, want me to join in or somebody said something that I wasn't good enough or things that you grow, but that just kind of stays there. It's on, my, it's on my windshield. Well, then the next time something happens, somebody says that, you know, I wasn't good enough or they don't want me around or I'm less than or maybe I failed at something that I thought that I should have been good at in life. There's all these perspective lies. Somebody, somebody said, you know, I thought that God called me to do something that gave me, an annoy gave me a dream to go and change lives or to do something along those lines. Or, um, gosh, I have a dream to start a ministry. And so I go share it with somebody and they just kind of knock me down and say, no, there's no way God could use you in that way. Or I'm not good enough. Or somebody laughs 
at something that I've decided to do and what happens? All of a sudden, oh, sorry guys. Okay, that's why there's a rug up here because I told him it would get messy. All of a sudden, life happens and more and more. Okay, who gave, it's a slotted spoon. Okay. picture. Okay. And all of a sudden we get going in life and the more and more that that gets filled up, what happens? You can't see, can you? Or maybe you can see, but you can't see everything clearly. So now you're going to be looking through this windshield over here. It's not going to be quite as clear as it was the first time. So I'm still looking at you, but some of you have a brown head that weren't created to have a beautiful brown head, right? Some of you have like freckles where there were no freckles before, yeah? Some of your shirts, I can't, I can see half your body. So I'm still looking at you, but the picture's distorted. So now I'm gonna process everything that happens through that. Unless, so the good news is that your windshield can get cleaned. But the first stop, the first important piece is to recognize that it was ever dirty. Because we're not exempt. And then this is what happens. You can clean it off. But I'm still on my journey, aren't I? I'm still living life. Right? I'm still dealing with people. I'm still around others. Um, I'm still around other people. Life is still happening. And it gets dirty again. So now what do I have to do? I have to clean it off again. Because it can distort my view. I don't know about you, but I want to live my life from a clear perspective. A perspective of truth. Right? Rather than one that's been clouded up. I don't want to live my life believing a lie about myself. I don't want to live my life believing something that somebody's told me or maybe that I've adopted into my life that I'm less than or that I'm not good enough or that God hasn't created me for this or did God really say or I begin to question that. I don't want, why would I give those lives that much power in my life to tell me that that's the direction that I'm going to go, that I'm going to see my life through those lies. I want to see my life through truth. I want to see my life through the word of God. I want to run my race with a clear picture with nothing holding me back. I've been there. I know what it's like to be called of God and yet to have to, to be living my life through a windshield that tell, that of fear, of insecurity, of intimidation 
intimidation of doubt and all those thoughts and things trying to keep me down. I know what that feels like. As a matter of fact, the first time I started stepping on a stage and ministering, it, I, I felt that. I could not let that gift that was in the inside of me out to its fullest capacity because I was living behind that. I was living behind lots and lots of lies of insecurity that I had to wait for other people's affirmation like we talked about last week instead of God's affirmation, who he's the one who calls me. He's the one who tells me what, I, what I'm supposed to do. He's the one that I get my affirmation from. And I was living behind that. So it wasn't until I went through a process and I said, okay, Jesus, and I allowed him to begin to work on me, which we're gonna talk about what that looks like in a few minutes, when he began to work on me and to clean that windshield off and I could see clearly, now, you know that song, I can see clearly now, the right, yeah. I could begin to see clearly who God created me to be and I could walk in confidence and I didn't have to live underneath the lies. I don't want, fear doesn't get that much control in my life. Intimidation doesn't get to control me. Deception doesn't get to control me. Lies don't get to control me. My Jesus gets to control me. He gets to decide. And I'm gonna decide, I decide to partner with him, amen? And you say, oh, how do you know that? How do you decipher? How do you tell what's truth and a lie? Well, I have another little handy dandy illustration over here that I love. This one's powerful. Today's just the day of illustrations. Is that okay? Can we just use a lot of illustrations? Today's just the day of illustrations. So there was a story that I heard one time, and I shared this one with the staff as well. Um, and it was a story that uh, a sculptor had created a beautiful creation like this. This is my, my little sculpture. It's definitely not priceless by any stretch of the imagination, but for those of you who are familiar with what a yadro is, this is one of those um, that was given to me by a family member. It's very special to me. And it's, you know, worth, worth a decent amount. And so I bring it out for an illustration. Here's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful piece. And the story goes like this. Somebody came in and they were admiring the sculptor's work. They said, wow, it's gorgeous. And they began to say, that's beautiful. How on earth did you create something so precious? How did you do that? How did you create that? How did you get, how did you see it? How did you conceive it? How did it become this priceless statue? And the sculptor simply said, well, you know, he started with clay and he just began to take off everything that wasn't the statue. Everything that wasn't the statue. And I thought, wow. Isn't that powerful? He began to take off everything that wasn't the statue. But we do the opposite. Because we are these priceless works of art in the hands of our creator. Amen? But so many times... We do this, we try to add things. And doesn't that just look odd? Doesn't that just look weird, like it doesn't fit? Like it shouldn't be there? But we pick up things that people say, well, you should be more like this person. You should have done it this way, or you'll never amount to anything, or you can't do that, or did God really say? And we begin to pick up baggage Tried to add it to this, oh gosh, this is harder than I thought. Add it to this beautiful sculpture that God created. And it just doesn't fit. 
It's not a part of who you were created to be. You are a beautiful creation that God designed and made, but you don't need all this other stuff, right? So the, the powerful part comes when we can begin to remove and take off all the stuff that shouldn't be going with us anyway. You say, well, how do I know? How do I know what's truth? How do I know what's not a lie? How do I know what God has spoken to me? How do I know who I really am? I'm glad you asked. This is getting my favorite part of the message. I'm excited. Okay. Um, how do I know this? Well, have you ever, I, and I don't know that they still do this, but back in the day when they would just try to tell um, counterfeit money, right? And they would train uh, bank tellers and people to be able to tell counterfeit money from the real deal. So what did they do? They made sure that the people that were handling money, that they handled a lot of the real deal. So that when something counterfeit went through their hands, they picked up on it instantly. Yeah? So when you handle enough of the truth of the word of God, enough of the truth of who God says that you are, enough of the truth of what he says, that when something that's counterfeit, it's not going to be able to stick to you quite as easily as the rest of it did. You're not going to hang on to it quite as much. You're not going to adapt, adopt that as much in your own life because you know the truth. And you realize this doesn't fit. This doesn't fit me anymore. This isn't a part of who I am. This doesn't belong in me. This mindset is not of God. I don't have to live lower than this. I don't have to live in that area. I don't have to live offended. I don't have to live. Listen, it's not just that I'm less than. The lies and the fear and the intimidation of the enemy are not just those things. The enemy likes to keep you in some sort of a drama triangle, where you love to pick up offense, where you love to pick up the hurts and, and things of other people, where you walk around bitter. Do you realize that's just as much a, a, a bully in your life, dealing and living in a state of bitterness as anything else is? Do you realize your bitterness isn't doing anything to anybody else except you? It's not going to set, it's not, it's not paying anybody back but you and stealing your destiny. It's not, it's not meant to, bitterness isn't meant for the body of Christ. It's not meant for a child of God. Fear isn't meant for a child of God. We walk by faith. We don't operate in fear. Our lives don't, aren't run by fear. Our lives are run, we, 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 without faith, it's impossible to please God. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. Perfect love casts out all fear. God is love. When he comes into a room, man, it is, there's, fear can't just, can't even be there. Our lives aren't to be dictated by fear. Our lives are dictated by faith. Faith doesn't mean that you don't feel fear. Faith means that you act in spite of it. You step out in the truth of the word of God because you know what's right and you do what's right and you trust your father anyway. Amen? All right, now we're going to get to the part that I'm really excited about. That was just the beginning part of that part. How many of you have heard of the story of David and Goliath? Favorite Bible story ever. Favorite. Probably that feistiness piece inside of me. Because Goliath was this big bully. And again, we know how much I like bullies. But I love David. So we're going to read this story. Can we do that together? You open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 
And we're going to start. Now we're going to, can I read a lot? Can we just, can we just like go back to Sunday school and read together for a minute? Can we do that? I may pause partway through. Verse 12, now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemiah, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champions strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and those ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report of how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So here goes David. Now he's on a journey to go see his brothers. So David left the sheep with another shepherd because David was tending sheep. That was his job. He was back with his dad. He was watching sheep, he was tending sheep, and he was often alone out there. And in that process, he had a lot of time that he was spending with the Lord. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, here comes the bully, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Oh boy. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. What? The Israelite army? What? Have you seen this giant, the man asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He'll give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. Well, that last part sounds pretty good, right? (laughs) Anybody? No more taxes? Anybody? Okay. Um, David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Now, this is where I get excited. And this is where I ask the question. Because now you've got the Philistine army, you have the Israelite army, they're facing off, and the Israelites are running away in fear. But isn't this the same army whose God led them out of Egypt with incredible plagues and testimony that just delivered them miraculously, right? Isn't this the same people whose God helped them, who parted the Red Sea for them, not all that, well, I mean, it was a while ago, but parted the Red Sea for them. Isn't this the same, uh, same people whose God had them cross the Jordan River and provide manna in the wilderness and who took down the walls of Jericho? Isn't this the same group of people that we're talking about here? So what happened? Why now are they all of a sudden scared of one giant? Kind of sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? And it kind of sounds like maybe they forgot who they were. But now you've got David. And David was off in the field. And he was with God, right? The whole book of Psalms, I mean, most of it, a lot of it, are songs that David wrote in his time in the presence of God. He was spending time with the Lord. And he comes out and he is like, who is this guy? How dare he talk like this to God's people? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, now listen to this, Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. 
What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. Doesn't that sound, have you ever been there? Have you ever found your, yourself in a place where you're, you, you see something, you're getting ready to do something, God's stirring something inside of you and the enemy or somebody just it got, it uses somebody to speak some doubt into you? What are you doing here anyway? You don't belong here. You're not supposed to be here. You should go back tending those sheep. Isn't that where you're supposed to be? There's a seed of a doubt. It sounds a little bit like fear, intimidation right there. And David's like, what have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. It got the attention of the king. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Oh, I love David. He's like, I'll go fight him. If you all don't know who you are, I know who I am. I'll take him. We got this. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. Again, doubt. David knew who he was. Somebody else. This is the second person who's trying to tell him that he's not qualified. He's less than. He's only a boy. You can't possibly do this. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I just club it to death. Anybody in here ever club a lion to death? Okay. <laughs> David's like, I got this. Which means when he was out in the, in the pasture and he's tending the sheep, he, he, he didn't... He, in his mind, tending the sheep where he was, oh, this is good. It wasn't, it wasn't even a starting ground. It wasn't even some place that he was in a holding pattern, even though he kind of was in a holding pattern. God was in the middle of it and empowered him and anointed him in the midst of it. So if a sheep or, or not a sheep, but if a lion or a bear came to hurt or to, to attack what he was doing and what God had called him to do, he just rose up and used the gifts and callings and anointing on his life to attack that take it out anyway. So he's confident. He had been with God. He'd been seeing God do amazing things. He's been handling the truth up in the field. He'd been in the presence of God. He knows who he was. He knows that God comes through. He'd been spending time with him, and he'd been seeing God do miraculous things in his life. He'd been communing with the, Lord, with the Father. So that sounds a whole lot like those bankers who are handling real, the real deal. He's handling the real deal. He's in the presence of God. He knows what the truth is in that moment. So now when all these people are speaking doubt, no wonder. It's, he's spotting the counterfeit. He's starting to realize, wait a minute, this isn't right. You guys have forgotten. Is this not the children of God? Isn't this the group of people that God has a covenant with? A covenant promise with? This is our God and he's feeling it. He's finding it. Do you see that? I've done this to both lions and bears. And I... <laughs> And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. He knew. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then 
Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For you'd never worn such things before. And then he says, I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. I love that one too. You know why? Because Saul was trying to give him his own armor. How many times do we feel like in order to go do what God's called us to do, we have to be somebody else or walk in their anointing or pick up if I was more like this person, I could do it. Or if I had that, that person's personality or if I had this person's characteristics, I could do it. So we try to put on the armor of somebody else to go do what God called us to do and not them. And that happened. And Saul was trying to put it on David. And David was like, this isn't me. It doesn't fit. So he refused. Again, he knew what was counterfeit. He picked up five smooth stones. So he did what he was familiar with. He went to who he was. Five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. He didn't need anything else. He knew what he needed. He needed who God created him to be. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Does that not sound like intimidation to you? Have you ever faced that, felt that, that strong intimidation? It just tries to push you down and tries to say, tries to just make you feel that you're like this big. David's reply, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And every one assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. He didn't even play into the intimidation. He didn't even get it. He just said, no, this is the truth. You're going to die because you've defied, you, you've defied the living God and everybody's going to know and everybody's going to see you go down. He didn't even, he didn't even, it didn't even, he just, he's like, no, I don't, I'm not even giving place to this. I'm not giving place to the lies. I'm not giving place to the intimidation. If he felt it, he chose to speak the truth in that moment. And then he ran. Oh, I love this. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. So he had to run over and pull Goliath's sword from its sheath. And David used it to kill him and cut off his head. He used the bully's own sword to cut off his own head. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, I don't know what's facing you. I don't know what lie. I don't know what fear. I don't know what intimidation is coming to your life. I don't know what deceit. I don't know what's been thrown at you even recently. I don't know what you might still be walking through from your childhood. I don't know what stuff has been coming your way. I, I know there's certainly a whole lot of stuff going on in our world today. So I know there's probably been something. I don't know what, the, I don't know what somebody else has been trying. I don't know what lies you've been believing or what somebody else has been trying to put on your shoulders to make you feel like you're not enough 
enough or you have to be more like this person or more like that person to walk through. I don't know what fear has been trying to keep you paralyzed in that same spot and not moving forward to the call of God in your life. I don't know what apathetic mindset you may have bought into thinking that this is all you can do in this season. I don't know what lie. I don't know what it is, but I will tell you this. The more that we handle the word of God, the more that we get into the truth of who he's called us to be, the more that becomes resonant with us and the more that you realize this can't fit, this isn't who I am, I can't handle, I'm not somebody who's, I, I don't have to give in to sin. I don't have to give in to the lies of the enemy. I don't have to do that because this is the word of God that we can tell the difference between the truth and we can tell the difference between the lie. Amen? And we don't have to stand for it. And we can run, man, I just love that. I love how David just ran. And everybody stood around. Everybody. There were huge, those, it wasn't, the Israel light army should have known better. I think you can hear these. I'm taking them off. At the end of the message, I know that was bad timing, but. They, they, had, they had seen God do amazing things in their life time and time again for them. They knew the power of God. But sometimes we forget. Sometimes we've had so much fear thrown at us. Sometimes we've had so much intimidation. Sometimes we've had so much insecurity thrown at us. Sometimes we've just lived so much life. And we haven't stopped to clean off the windshield in a while. That we forget. And we don't even realize that we've been living our life behind a dirty windshield. But I know God doesn't want us living behind that fear or living from that perspective of insecurity or intimidation. He wants us free. He sent his son Jesus to pay for that so that we can be free, so that we can live our life from that place, amen? so that you can walk in and fulfill the call God and destiny on your life. We don't walk by fear. We walk by faith. We trust God. And I want to, as we come to a close this morning, we're going to take a minute, and I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for us that, that you know, fear is a tormenting spirit. That's another reason why I hate fear. Because it's just, there's no peace in fear. There's no peace in insecurity. There's no peace in any of that. There's torment in that. That's not from God. God's given us peace, right? Peace that passes understanding. His, again, perfect love casts out all fear, right? We, we don't have to live in that place. And so if there's fear, if there's lies, insecurity, doubt, all of those things that aren't coming in line, we're going to pray. We're going to just see, believe God that that just goes in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.